gentlemen, we have a special treat for you today. We have the one, the only. Welcome to the State Lines Network. Hey, friends, welcome to episode 20 of the Boldly Going Podcast. Creative, brilliant, inspirational people of the universe right here on planet Earth. And as I said, episode 20, uh, one of my favorite people in the world is on uh, today's episode, Alex Flannery. Uh, he is a chef, a local chef here in uh, the Tampa Bay area. Uh, really, really incredible person. Great chef, uh, great husband, great father. Uh, starting uh, working on his own his own restaurant, his own company. Uh, he's done all kinds of stuff. He's worked uh, all over the Tampa area at prestigious restaurants. He's worked at um, in restaurants in New York, Chicago. Uh, he's he's been a private chef on on a yacht and done uh, all all kinds of just incredible fun things uh, and has a great philosophy on food and uh, food preparation and presenting food plating things and uh, and just like what restaurants should be like and all of that and so I'm excited to talk to him about about that stuff talk to him about his story of being a chef how he got into it uh, really interesting. And uh, something he talked about, the title of this episode is You Eat With Your Eyes First, which I think is, uh, is very true. We, we see things first and we, uh, we are enticed by the thing that we see. And so if it's food, we want to eat that or we don't want to eat it. Um, <clears throat> but I think that's also a, a, bigger, a bigger part of our lives too. We, we uh, make choices based on visual, uh, visual cues a lot. Uh, and, um, and so we, you know, we eat, quote unquote, uh, with our eyes first and uh, really interesting philosophy um, and just his his idea about being prepared and doing something and, and going after a dream of being prepared when you do it uh, doing one thing at a time not trying to accomplish the whole dream really smart really brilliant guy uh, just fun to talk to and he's a big uh, Star Wars nerd such as I and so we start out kind of talking about his uh, his crazy Star Wars tattoo that he has on his arm so um Jump into this episode with me uh, real quick before we get into it. Uh, as always, a reminder, check out our State Lines podcast network, state-lines.com. Go there. You can uh, get all kinds of other uh, great uh, podcast episodes. There's articles there. There's so much uh, good information, good things to keep yourself entertained and learn and grow. So go do that, state-lines.com, and uh, do something to give back into your community. Do something to give back, uh, help people. I'd love for you to do that with my organization, Current Initiatives. You can check that out, uh, engagecurrent.org, or on social media, at engagecurrent. Uh, so go do that. Follow State Lines at State. Uh, if, if you're on uh, Twitter, tweet State Lines, uh, State Lines on Instagram. You can go find it. It's all on the website. And then also follow Alex Flannery, Chef Alex Flannery. Uh, you can follow him on social media at pastryface13, pastryface13. He's a great pastry chef. Uh, pastry chef 13, or sorry, pastryface13. And then also his uh, website, chefalexflannery.com. Go check that out. All right. Thanks for uh, listening and joining in on episode 20 with Chef Alex Flannery. As you were saying about your tattoos, 
Mm-hmm. You traded in all your nerd stuff for your nerd tattoo. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you have a whole. How many of those? How many like Star Wars characters do you have on your arm? I haven't even counted it. Um, oh, you don't even know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Do the machines and ships count? <laughs> seven oh, characters, probably. Seven <laughs> characters: two AT-ATs, one X-wing, the Death Star, and the Falcon. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. It actually gets finished tomorrow. It gets finished tomorrow? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I go in. I got a three-hour appointment tomorrow. So we're supposed to finish, of course, all of the background and everything. But we might even do, like, all the touch-ups and everything. So. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway. That's awesome. I can't. But yeah, I'll, huh? I just can't commit to a sleeve. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not there yet. There's nothing... I think my problem is there's nothing that I love that much Mm -hmm. that I could conceivably cover my arm with. Yeah, that's important. And I don't want to do just filler for the sake of filler Mm -hmm. to have a sleeve. I knew I always wanted sleeves. It was just what was it going to be. And then I started this one. Yeah. And then when I put the Falcon there after, you know, Falcon was born, Mm -hmm. then it was like, well, that's going to be the other sleeve. <laughs> that was an easy choice. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But yes, all my nerd comics had to go. It was like eight hundred dollars off I got on my I tattoo. Mean, that's an amazing tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. I have to. So no one else can see it right now. But yeah. so um, just to uh, by way of intro, we just kind of like soft open everything just mm-hmm. conversationally. But so in my home, Ebor City, with Alex Flannery. The famed pastry chef. Pastry face. Pastry face on, uh, it's what, pastry face 13? Yeah. On the, uh, on the Instagrams. Yeah, is, is that what people go by nowadays? That's like the, I don't know. Yeah. But maybe that's, that's just your, the way I'm going to do it. That's your handle? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Alex Flannery, you're a pastry chef. You're a chef, chef. chef. Your husband. Your, you're a chef. You're just a chef in general. You started as a pastry chef, right? Or is that kind of your specialty? Um, it's something I have a strong background in. Okay. So I guess it's kind of a specialty. Every chef has that niche that they fall in, and I guess if that for me that would be something that separates me from a lot of them, like other chefs. But um, yeah, I do a good bit of everything. Okay. <laughs> so just is it official? Like, can like if someone refers to you as chef, like like if I worked for you and I called you chef, that would be appropriate. In most situations, I'm not usually that kind of chef though. That wants like, right. I, I, I understand I, you're not. But. I like the camaraderie and like calling everybody my name usually. And right. I, I don't like the militarized kitchen so much, <laughs> where it's like you know. Right. I have the highest token in the kitchen. Right, right. I guess I don't know. I guess it's maybe from the little bit of studying that world that I've done, mm-hmm. or maybe just watching reality shows. I don't know what you call that study, but <laughs> it seems like it seems like. There are some people that like to call themselves chefs, but there mm-hmm. I feel like there's an official in the way that I officially am a pastor. I'm not employed by a church, but I'm I have the credentials of right. a pastor. So someone can call me that, and it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like in the same that same thing applies on some level. In, it's so diverse. You can get accreditation from different places and have master chef certificates and stuff. And then you legitimately, I guess, have to call yourself, you know, I am a master chef. Got it. Like, that is your title. You have a degree that says so. 
but there's such a fluctuation in the industry to like people you know somebody that runs a chain restaurant kitchen like are you a chef or are you do you manage a kitchen like mm. but it's hard to I guess define where that line is and I don't know for me I'm, I would consider myself a chef that's what I do okay but um I don't know. I guess it's it's always a different, confusing, like, thing to say for me. Just because I feel like I'm always like trying to learn mm-hmm. and reach a little bit higher, yeah, like, get to that next level. So I don't I don't know. Like I, just throwing it out. There. I think you should start. I think you should. Have you seen? Have you ever watched Seinfeld? Of course. Okay. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised in the time that we've known each other. You you don't know this. That's true. About us, that yeah. my wife and I have like the whole refrigerator box set. So at our house. And we used to throw a Festivus every year. And we would oh, have, like, how did I not know this about you guys? Yeah, I don't know. We're huge Seinfeld fans. Man, okay. So <laughs> I always think of it's like our the, talking in cars with coffee moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always I always think about uh, that episode with the maestro where everyone. Like he comes over to Jerry's apartment mm-hmm. and Jerry just calls him Bob and he's like Oh he's right, all offended. Right, right. I was and, confused. And Kramer's like What Jerry? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Maestro and then like mm-hmm. everyone has to call him Maestro. Yeah. I find that awkward. There's just so many so many chefs. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't wanna be the one for sure. <laughs> right. Okay. So um your chef uh, what's your so give me your rundown I guess of like just for so everyone knows like who you are what you do you're local to Tampa you're, yeah you're I like started, Tampa's favorite I chef pretty much started at, <laughs> getting there you're, you're Tampa's that's, top chef yeah, that's the goal nice um, I started out cooking in Tampa like professionally I mean I had always worked in chain restaurants and like other kitchens before that but it was always just work Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually really got into the industry and like fine dining, working at Burns Steakhouse and worked there for a while, and uh, that is what inspired me to go to like New York and Chicago and seek out the best restaurants that I could find and the best places I could learn from. Uh, and while bouncing around to those places, I came back and forth through Tampa a lot um, and ended up working in many of the different restaurants. Uh, and I've been back for several years, uh, just straight now, you know, started my family here. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, I guess I've been here consistently for like six or seven years. Um, and in that time I've been the pastry chef at the refinery. Um, I was the pastry chef for Oxford exchange. I opened Dat's dough, uh, for oh, that, that restaurant group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and a great many other projects yeah. that, that I was trying to work on <laughs> currently working with foundation right as one of your uh, jobs yeah yeah i work with them um foundation coffee yeah yeah so i work um i'm starting my own company as pastry face productions oh is that and what it's called okay yeah, yeah and that's one of the um entities i guess of my company is okay. that i provide them with all their pastries and then i'm trying to start other projects from there under that same uh, company where I can I want to do some dinner parties over there mm-hmm. and uh, pull from some local CSAs and have like some farm to table pop up dinners. Uh, yeah, which is kind of your 
I think in the few times that we've talked, like your your dream. I don't want to. Oh yeah. I don't wanna let the cat out of the bag. But your dream <laughs> is to do something like a legitimate. No, no, the cat needs to be let out of the bag. Okay, as good as possible. Well, because I love what you told me about not too long ago. Like your goal, your end goal is like like Michelin star. That's the biggest thing, I guess, in chef world, right? Yeah. And there's never been a Michelin star. Like in the south to any restaurant in the south or something like that, right? South of DC, I still don't think there's been one awarded. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know if there's any reason for it yet. Like, there's definitely some places that I think could obtain that, but uh, maybe it's just not enough of them to, to get the area noticed yet. I think it, it's coming eventually. Yeah. Um, Maybe if I can get it open, I'll be the first one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what do you want to open? So talk about that. Like, what's the what I mean, you think? I would love to have a place, you know, sustained by a farm, um, somewhere uh, like right outside of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, with that, it would have to almost be a destination to get people to come outside of Tampa just to go to a restaurant. It really better be eye-catching or interesting <laughs> with what's going on. So I feel like if I could have my perfect place, it would be like this farm that you could go to and tour and walk around and have you know maybe a, a cafe or something for people to dine at but then also this elevated restaurant that serves extremely high end food all sustained from that area hmm. and you know maybe if you had somebody to spin plates there that you use for your restaurant and they also have a shop where right. they sell plates yeah. you know, that could be a little bit more to like in or a reason to get people to come out there and yeah, something to shop and like do other than just a meal. So, but the, part pardon the uh huh, pardon the reference, but basically a really really nice, awesome high end Cracker Barrel. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just ate there several times. <laughs> on our, our road trip with my wife, and that's what was going through my head. Like, I want this restaurant, but in a Michelin star setting. Right. And I would be... That'd be and no, but and I've reached my chef. Her, my chef <laughs> Listen, you just let me do your PR, so whenever that comes together, <laughs> I'll just I'll start presenting it for you. Think Cracker Barrel. Nice. But Michelin star version. But no, that's cool. So basically, having like space where an artisan that's legitimately creating plates and tableware and yeah. maybe even the tables and chairs and that kind of thing like they're woodworking they're creating everything that's in that restaurant not yeah. just food but everything I like that sustainable approach I like the I love the yeah. art side of it and like the beautiful things people are able to create and that almost I mean it almost reminds me of like the way LBE operated in that they had a um they had engineers to design plates. They're like, we think we want to plate something this way. Uh, and the same thing, you could just go to a, a, a potter. Somebody that throws pots? Is mm-hmm. that the name of it? <laughs> um, sure. Okay, that works for now. Yeah. And then have them design like a custom plate for, for a dish, something that you can see to tie, tie together. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm all about like collaborating and working with other people as much as I can, you know, to try to build everybody in. I just think it, it fuels creativity. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> doing that as well, you know? Yeah. So, 
Um, I what little bit I know about food because like there's it's not just about the food and the flavor, but color also makes a big oh for sure a big thing too, I mean, right? You eat so with your eyes first. I think you're gonna interesting. You're gonna see the food before you eat it, obviously, and you're gonna smell it next. So those first two things come to play, you know, before you even taste the dish. I've never heard that before. You eat with your eyes first. That's so yeah. That's mm-hmm. so true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could do some experiments, which I guess I've kind of done over the course of my career, mm-hmm. just in, in like everyday work. But you could probably do the same dish and have four different plates of it played in different ways. And I bet you the most eye-catching one with some height and some color and fanciness to it is probably going to get picked every time just because like, it's just... How it looks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. I the, Yeah, I guess... I've never really thought about that, but... Um, I guess maybe in food world, something could maybe not taste great, but because it looks good, it almost translates mm-hmm. to, oh, that place is great. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Hmm. Interesting. So, I guess, would you consider... Would you consider food or, I guess, what, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, food creation or um, cooking, all that kind of stuff, as it's an art form? Absolutely. I think that I, that's one of the main things that, that got me into it and the reason mm-hmm. I do it, I still feel, because I've always considered myself an artist. I've always drawn my whole life. And I originally started going to school for architecture while I was always cooking as a job. Oh, interesting. So I made that switch when uh, they told me in architecture I wasn't going to be drawing anymore and everything was going to be CAD. So I was like, all right, I'm done. Oh, (laughs) wow. I'm out on that. I need another way to express myself somewhere. And I went into pastry because I immediately saw like sugar sculptures and chocolate Mm. showpieces and wedding cakes and all that kind of stuff that I could really like express myself artistically with um so that's what really got me into pastry at first and then moving out of the pastry kitchen like nowadays you can do just as much art with any other you know food group yeah uh interesting yeah which is cool because it's one of the reasons why i want you on the on the podcast because i the podcast being all about you know inspiring people kind of following their dream doing doing the thing that they love and I feel like much like you know someone a musician or an art creator chefs to me fall into that kind of category of you're creating you're creating things that people enjoy that they love mm-hmm. um, there's ways that you can make a lot of money out of it but anybody with an artistic mind really can in some form be they can cook and they can come up with creations but it takes a special talent to I think plate something put it in front of somebody and all of those elements come together taste sure. visually mm-hmm. all of those things are yeah, you really work on everybody's senses with food um, it, it kind of all comes into play even like you, you end up triggering a lot of emotions through food you can, you can do that in the way something's plated or even the way something tastes in that if if you trigger some kind of childhood memory with something that they're eating, 
that can be incredibly emotional for them to experience like through that that dish um yeah that's such so, a fascinating thing Go ahead. yeah so other than like just just your taste your smell i mean absolutely your sight comes into play but even even higher functioning i think like emotion and yeah um especially at, at those higher level restaurants where you're really supposed to be creatively expressive um i think that comes into more play a little bit more you know uh, yeah, that's so really. That's a really fascinating thing to me because um, I mean, well. what do you think it is about the like taste or smell that triggers a like a child? You said like childhood memory or triggers an emotion tied to that. I have no idea, like exactly. I, I think that that's also something like that's still a pretty new idea, and we're still trying to get a grasp on. Um, is that but I think really just you know like very simply you just like connect with an experience that they had before and it just triggers that like you know if it's a taste of marshmallows and you serve something that reminds them of the marshmallows they used to eat at camp that they used to go to then on a very simple explanation I think like that's just connects into that on a much deeper thought I have no idea is that so is that like I guess is that like a goal of food creation now like is that traditionally there's definitely people working on it I mean um, some of the top restaurants in the world are having I think uh, the um, Basque Culinary Center in Spain just had a whole event, and uh, the Muguritz restaurant was tied into that, and they have the Brainy Food Project, which is um, trying to explore food and emotion and like how you how you precisely trigger certain emotions through food, and, hmm. and uh, yeah, they're doing really interesting stuff, even like trying to get like people enraged at a table which sounds like a pretty crazy thing that's amazing the opposite of what you in general want to do interesting but oh wow so just through just purely based off of the food not like their interaction with the server and all that but just purely based off of food all of it I would say they're because they're all about the entire roller coaster experience okay, that so they kind take of an immersive, like them in the same uh, as LVE were described as techno emotional uh, restaurants. That was the type of restaurant that they were techno emotional. So, so thinking about like they're really trying to take you on this whole ride and specifically like get you to think about something a certain way, whether the way it's plated or um, how you have to interact with your server or the food to get your item huh interesting which yeah it's just that whole another level of of serving food and cooking for people Um, yeah but I think that's something too that crosses more into like being an art form because art does that in a lot of ways too you you trigger emotions with people and um I don't know you don't other senses <laughs> yeah that's interesting uh, yeah I guess because like even in our world when you're looking at something they would they would ask you like how does that speak to you or what like what does this piece mm-hmm. speak to you I guess food's kind of created the same way especially mm-hmm. in like high, not not the Cracker Barrels of the world yeah. but 
in a well, some people even elaborate on a a good meal at Cracker Man. Yeah, but I'm I what I'm meaning what I'm saying is like there you know you're not going into that restaurant with the idea of like yeah no like going to an art gallery no no, no one's saying to you what does what does that meatloaf speak to you I think the majority of but you don't always want to be like that um, that's my word like that's you don't always want to have to think about what you're eating that much. Yeah. And really like right. have to give every bit of thought into into what you're doing there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I like I don't know if uh, it seems like in that world, much like art, where it's a very um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Objective. Mm-hmm. So one person can eat like I jokingly tell people all the time, the best coffee you'll ever drink is is crappy diner coffee. I think it's the best coffee there is where then other people in the coffee world are like you're an idiot like and they'll they'll go down all the beans and all the best coffee places and they're like yeah great I like that coffee too <laughs> but I'd rather I would I'll sit at a Waffle House and drink and drink their crappy diner coffee all day and part of it maybe is because that's what I had as a kid like yeah. that's what was in the house as a kid and so that's that emotion or or whatever is tied to that yeah makes sense I think I have that opposite effect though. I think my my parents though they cooked a lot of stuff, I don't think like they had they didn't have like fine coffee there. It was Folgers or whatever they made. Right, that's what we had. But you went the opposite way, like so I think I was like, oh no, I I want this extremely high end, like very intricate flavor profile of coffees that yeah. I can sit here and pick apart like daily as I'm trying to wake up and, and figure out my day. That's so funny. I was at Foundation Maybe, recently yeah. and they had a can of Folgers coffee there for like someone else had brought in that they that they I guess they made a cup of coffee, Folgers coffee for this person but they just had that can there. Nice. And I was like oh that's great and so they let me smell it. I'm like yeah it smells great and they're like can't you smell all the, all the toxins or whatever that's in it? And they're like, no, it just smells like coffee. Yeah. They're like, wait, no, hold on. So then they got me whatever other coffee. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it smells the same to me. And they like, could not comprehend that to me. Yeah, it just smells like coffee. They both smell like coffee to me. Like, there's not neither one of those do I go. Yeah. Oh, that's crappy. Mm-hmm. You know. And that's something you always have to train people's palates. I feel too. Like, not every person is gonna even understand what they're looking for and a lot of those things the same thing yeah something you might cook like I'm fascinated with with um, chefs obviously are great at this but I'm fascinated when someone can eat something and they can identify all the different flavors Mm -hmm. or they can drink something like coffee I worked at Starbucks for years and you know we would do tastings and tastings from other coffees that weren't Starbucks and that kind of stuff and every time we'd be like, oh yeah, it smells like this, and I taste the, I taste these notes and all that. I'm mm-hmm. like, guys, it tastes like, it just tastes like burnt water to me. Yeah. Or you know, like yeah. it all tastes like dirt. It's coffee. I mean, a lot of that's just the, you know muscle memory training, training your palate just through repetitive, like okay, doing it over and over and over. So you think that's you so- smelled those spices okay. thousands of times and tasted them mm-hmm. everywhere. So you're like, and when you're when you're composing a dish. You're constantly looking at those things, you know, especially when you cook savory food where you have the luxury of adding stuff as you're going through it. You're tasting specifically for those things that you're adding. Mm. So you're like, 
you know, in a soup, stock, whatever it is you're making, this might need more garlic as you taste it, so then you add more garlic. So I feel like that helps to build that palate as well. Okay. I don't know. That, that's your whole job. It's just, it's yeah. Coming up is you're, you're cooking and doing all those things, so I think through all of that, you just get very good at picking those out. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I just taste what I taste yeah. when I eat. I'm not yeah. sitting there doing all. It just comes with the job, though. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you think some of it, do you think part of that, too, is natural to some people? Oh, for sure. Way? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, everybody's palate's different, and some are extremely sensitive. I mean, if you look at anybody trained or not, they could be wildly different on how they react to, like, cilantro or ginger or turmeric. I don't know. Any other, like, pungent kind of things. Some yeah. people can be wildly different on. Hmm. Do you have a favorite spice that you that you like to work with? Cinnamon. What is that? Cinnamon. Cinnamon? Yeah. I love cinnamon. Okay. I used to find every excuse to like work it into anything that I could. Really? What's the what is the most off the wall thing that you use cinnamon in? Uh I don't even know. It's not that off the wall to me. Okay. But I always like once I learned you know, some Mexican foods and things. I always have that in, like, a spice blend of Mexican foods. Interesting. And I, I think... I guess most people don't recognize that. Because they always think there's something, like, different in there when I cook that, okay. like, that region of food. Or, like, yeah. anything with those mixed of spices. <laughs> they, they're, like, taco meat or something, you know, I might make. Mm-hmm. But it just has, like, one... That one different thing in it. But a lot of people, there's usually not enough of it. People can really pick it out. Mm-hmm. But they're like, there's just something different about your your taco meat. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, I, yeah. yeah, I would say I use a lot of that. As far as, like, random things, I have no idea. I mean, that seems random yeah. to me, though. Yeah. Taco To meat. me, I started thinking about, like, well, I made, like, some honey, cinnamon, you know, glazed crickets and roasted yeah. those up. No, I'm glad you brought that up because... <laughs> but that doesn't seem that random to me. Anymore. What is it? Right. <laughs> Well, I don't. So yes, let's talk about that. What is your obsession? I guess it's really not just yours. Like I feel like a lot of food world these days, it's catching on. And I think uh, crickets and bugs. And I think that some of the higher end restaurants are having something to do with that. You know, a place like Noma has been. They have a food lab connected to the restaurant. They've been researching entomophagy for years. Uh, also working with like scientists uh, from many different fields. And they're really kind of projecting like, hey, this is a much better um, source of protein. This is a much better way to uh, get protein. And, like, use I think it uses like ten percent of the uh, uh, water that cattle would like per gram mm. of protein that you can get from it. Okay. <laughs> Don't quote me on this. Is somebody fact checking this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, probably, yeah. I'll probably have to be fact. Of the five people listening to this, I'm sure none of them are <laughs> fact checking it. But. Um, I think they really projected that, like, this is going to be a huge thing, especially, you know, as world hunger becomes a a bigger issue. It's going to be a way to feed a lot of people um, very healthily, very uh, flavorfully. So I I think that I've always loved Noma, and that's one of the things that really inspired me to start looking into it more was like their projects and watching what they were doing okay um and encouraged me to just start eating insects and whatnot uh and um 
So I guess maybe clarify that just a little bit. When they do that, they're not like you're not. I'm opening a package and here's a here's a cricket. Oh, I do all the defense. time. Right. Well, I would say I most mean, of the time that's how they get eaten in my house, or okay. it's like experiments with pasta or whatnot. But, but with, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like if they're if you're creating some no with something. with with Noma in the food lab, it was their whole drive is to try to how can they make it more normal to bring it into fine dining restaurants so that people are more acceptable of it. Yeah, it was a lot of what they were researching. They were trying to make like grasshopper garum. Because you know garum? Gar- so fish it. sauce is garum. Oh, okay. Pretty much so. If you know how that's made, it's like salting no idea. fish and then letting it decompose for years sometimes. You know, what? <laughs> in, that, in that mixture. So that's basically what they were doing with um, uh, the grasshopper garum is, is grinding up grasshoppers, inoculating it with uh, bacteria, and then letting that mold grow on there and putting some like salt and water and letting that ferment and sit for years <laughs> and then they have that a sauce sounds awful it's like <laughs> yeah is fish sauce awful it can, I mean, it can it sounds be. terrible from your description I don't yeah. know that I've actually had it oh yeah or maybe I've had it you've had fish had sauce it? have you okay. had Vietnamese food and there's that like oh. funky fishy smell to it oh that's fish that's fish sauce oh sure. okay I didn't know that Vietnamese yeah I mean a lot of almost all Asian cultures mm-hmm. use some type of that listen but I love food I don't really care that much what's in it most of the time other than like yeah. oh what is that that tastes good nice um, so yeah I've probably had a lot of things that I just don't even know what they yeah. are it's, it's incredibly <laughs> common but it's it's well it's varies greatly in the different ones you can get but it can be extremely pungent like uh, flavor yeah. and and uh, smell so especially like if you have it around being made oh wow yeah intensify <clears throat> that so in this in this idea of creating creating these like use of crickets and stuff like that like they're actually talking about farming Crickets and grasshoppers, things like that. As, they, opposed, as opposed, do we mean me or that? Well, you. I don't know who, like whoever's doing that. You. I'll have, I'll have that be part of my farm. Okay, for sure. So as opposed to like I'm farming, I'm just and I'm talking about just as a whole this idea. Like it's easier and more cost effective and more um, all the way around better. Let's farm crickets because you get more out of it yeah. and not as much farming cattle. For that protein, could be. You're just gonna have to change people's opinion, yeah, on it and grow that uh, demand for it. Because right now it's not there, so you can have a farm. Yeah, well, I mean, you might have a hard time pushing your product. How much? How much demand is there for? Oh, crickets. Let me have some crickets yeah. for dinner. I, I, right now, it's it's very minimal, but I think in the next ten years, like that could be the next big food thing. Uh, I did. I think I told you I did recently see either a commercial or some advertising for an energy bar. Uh, Chapul is a pretty big one. Okay. It's a cricket energy bar. They have several different flavors. They're delicious. Um, They're probably one of the most popular ones in the market. They're around the country. Uh, They're in a lot of Whole Foods, I think, and like different places. Um, But yeah, there's lots of people doing that. I've played around with several different kinds of them. Okay. Weird. What did you? No, don't you have something at Foundation that uh, 
his old what is that chocolate cake or whatever or the something that you had me try recently it didn't have crickets in it but it had something that I was like wait what's in that uh, it's like a loaf or something that you have Oh, zucchini bread. Zucchini bread. Yeah. That's what it is. I think that threw a lot of people off guard. I guess most people aren't aren't familiar with that. To me, it was you know, the same as like pumpkin bread, banana bread, zucchini bread. It's just like one of the popular quick, quick breads you can make. But a lot of people had never heard of that. Um, so yeah, it's a chocolate zucchini bread. Yes. It's one of the most popular things there, actually. Like once people try it, I guess they love it. Uh, they actually, yesterday, were just asking me, hey... We we swapped it out with the uh, pumpkin bread for uh, mm-hmm. pumpkin spice season, mm-hmm. we'll call it. And uh, right, yeah, I guess some people were like, "Oh, where'd it go? Is it coming back?" And we were gonna say at the end of that, but they were just like, "A lot of people are asking for it." So that's amazing. I, I just made a whole bunch of it this morning. Oh man, so that's awesome! Go down to Foundation, check it out. <laughs> Chocolate zucchini bread. Yeah. Um, so I guess we have a couple questions. I'm just curious about like. Um, how, oh, actually, this is one thing I'm fascinated about too that you did. You, uh, you, I did your, I performed your wedding. Yeah, I had that honor with you and Tyann, and but you did all the food for your own wedding. Yeah, like everything, right? <laughs> yep. That was that was. Uh, yeah, I'm at a loss for what the right word is. On it. <laughs> Besides, I don't know, crazy. It's fine. It was like, good. I mean, we saved a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Obviously, having me do that. Um, but man, how many years off your life did that take? Are you doing your own? Yeah, yeah. Prepping, getting, getting yourself prepared for a wedding, let alone cooking for like a hundred people on top of that is yeah. is intense. I was up for I think three days straight. That's nuts. I remember like the days. Yeah, because in t- the twenty four hours before that. We were literally cooking a pig, mm-hmm. like getting it out of a brine and, and building a fire and like had this pig over the fire and I think I kept going around and having to do things and then we'd go back to checking on the pig and dealing with that. Yeah. That's nuts. And I think I, my friends couldn't, that probably the, the worst decision of all of it is that my friends couldn't come into town until, or at least most of them, until that Friday. Okay. So we had to have my bachelor party Friday night and get married Saturday morning, <laughs> which left me at 9 o'clock in the morning extremely hungover building our wedding cake, <laughs> <laughs> sipping on my ginger beer, not the cocktails part of it, right, right. Just, just the ginger beer, just trying to function and build a three-tier wedding cake for yeah. 100-some people. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah, well, you I even, think I succeeded. You did. You did fantastic. I was thoroughly impressed when I found that out. But you even jarred pickles, right? Yeah. Was it pickles and something else, or just pickles? Yeah. So our takeaway was uh, maple bourbon pickles. Yes. And um, we have a loquat tree, the little Chinese plums yeah. in the back mm-hmm. of our yard, and it just happened to be covered in fruit like a month before the wedding. So I was naturally like, okay, there we go. So I peeled all the fruit off of that and cooked it all down made jam and oh, jam so I canned all the pickles and all the jam like maybe 75 of each in little tiny cans for like takeaway things yeah, yeah. 
You're like a mad scientist in your house. I can just imagine, all, <laughs> like for that couple of weeks or however long it was, like that's probably what jars my, and cans. That's probably are. what my wife would say and how she would describe it. Yeah, specifically those words or any other like crazy notes right. she could add in. Because yes, it's just that there's jars all over. I think one of the last projects that sent her over the edges there was uh, rotting banana peels in a jar <laughs> with some maggots and some flies in there just because I had read some information about how naturally bacteria probably got into wines and created like some of the first vinegars okay and that was probably provided by fruit flies or something getting into there and giving it the bacteria oh weird so I was naturally kind of interested (laughs) to see like okay well what if I let fruit flies get into this mixture and get it all infected and bubbly and then see what happens but I have yeah. this banana vinegar at home now yeah. it's really Nat- naturally really interesting oh yeah it was probably one of the funkiest experiments I've done oh, I haven't uh, see my wife won't let me do fish sauce but I would probably have a bucket of fish sauce somewhere <laughs> in the kitchen fermenting <laughs> yeah like so how in your family you have obviously Mary you have two kids mm-hmm. with the coolest names ever by the way Falcon and Indoor yeah after Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, how does your how does your family take to that? Like, obviously, Tyann with the with the rotting banana peel is probably not her favorite. Um, how do your kids react to that? Uh, Falcon, I mean, kids are always naturally curious. So Falcon's <laughs> of a good age where he's just interested in a lot of many things that I do yeah. I mean funky flavors like that though that just throws kids off immediately yeah sure or smells but they still might like the whole idea of it he loves the bugs though does he's, he he is absolutely obsessed with them and it's Amazing. like a fight with with Tyann and I that I'm not I'm not allowed to put him in his lunchbox cause he might get like ridiculed by some of the kids or something for uh. eating bugs in his lunchbox or or, you know, maybe the other kids would want to try them and then that might get me in trouble with their parents. I don't know. Right, yeah. But he would love to take grasshoppers in his lunchbox for lunch. And it's such a great protein source, but, yeah. They're like not actual, really... Like they're like, no, that's not really acceptable in society yet, so I don't really think that our kids should do that <laughs> at, at school. I don't want them to be that kid. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yes. I remember being a youth pastor and doing like I didn't do it but other guys I knew doing like funny bets with their kids about here's a we found this dead roach who won't, he'll, who's who'll eat it nice kind of thing and yeah once once you did that like you're that kid that's mm-hmm. the kid that eats bugs mm-hmm. yeah but I don't know maybe someday soon they'll all be kids who eat bugs I feel like a lot of kids do it secretly and don't even because well, I think they're just they're naturally curious, curious. Like I don't know, uh, maybe at what stage? Because there's the like twos and threes, just put everything in their mouth. Well, like, true. What does this taste like? Ah, true. Yeah. Well, statistically, and I forget what it is now, but statistically, throughout your life, you eat like in your sleep or accidentally stuff like that. Oh my gosh, peanut eating, butter like, and ketchup are allowed to have like so many parts per million of, of bug parts. And are they really? Yeah, ketchup was originally designed with the label where it is on the top of the bottle. Because all the parts from the bugs would be like staining the the top, 
right right at the surface of the ketchup. It would be like little brown bits or maybe some some kind of things you could see there, and that would be from like bugs that were processed with the whole bunch of it. What? Yeah, yeah. I think I read that in an entomophagy book or something. I was reading what? like in the last years. That's amazing. There's a you eat. Uh, an astounding amount of bugs that you don't even realize. That's so crazy. I used to, yeah, I used to love throwing that statistic out to people. Yeah. I think that's one of the main things of getting people interested in eating it is getting over that. Like this, it's not going to hurt you, and it can be delicious if you like open up to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I would be open to it, but not in a. I don't want to. All right, here's a bug. Here's a here's a grasshopper. Yeah. Eat it. Like, yeah. I mean, if I were if I were trying I think, to survive, mm-hmm. yeah. But like, if you made that into a paste of some kind that was like a flavor, in, uh, that's like too easy. That's where I was experimenting with, like in the last couple of years. Once I had learned it, and then it was like, I can do anything with this. I can put like, uh, I can dehydrate them and make a flour. and from that put it in. I can make pasta out of it. I can make fudge, fudge brownies. You no way! Had, you would have absolutely no idea that it's in there. You can make bugs into flour. Oh, for sure! Mm-hmm. Wow, that's how really like <clears throat> I don't know Chipotle's exact process, but I would assume they're using cricket flour as their protein source and making their protein bar mm. like from that flour. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, you just open my like. Now I'm scared but, to eat some of my food. <laughs> but I, I think, and I keep saying this to my wife because she's so skeptical and she wants nothing to do with it. Okay. I could easily throw them in anything tricky and never tell you about it. <laughs> but I, it's so interesting to me and I really think it's going to be such a big thing as soon as people get accepting of it that I want people to just openly try it. I, yeah. I refuse to like trick anybody to do it. Yeah. That's not the right goal. No, I don't think that's ever worked out for anybody tricking them into eating whatever this yeah, yeah. potentially disgusting thing yeah. is. But I don't know. One of these pop-ups, I'm like, I really want to do like some little sugar cookies with some sprinkled worms on top or something. I can't charge people for them though. Just give them away for free. Sprinkled worms? Yeah, like worm <laughs> sprinkles on top of cookies or something. How do you? But how do you come up with, how do you get, how do you make worm sprinkles? Oh, no, just the worms themselves are the sprinkles. So you have like your sugar cookie. The whole worm? With sprinkles? Yeah, so you just take the sugar cookie raw and put it in some worms and then flip it over and bake it. And it'll have like worm sprinkles on it. <laughs> but they'll taste like nutty little popcorn bits, like throughout the cookie. Oh, It'll be gosh. delicious. Delicious. <laughs> oh, man. You wow! I look out, look, watch out for it. Foundation, man. I, I mean, I'm actually intrigued by it. Actually, I would, I would love to get you know dinner party series growing enough so that I could have the opportunity to do an all bug dinner. That would be awesome to me. I would love to do that right now, but unfortunately, I don't think anybody's going to come to my book. <laughs> it's going to be me and my friend Josh, and we're going to be like, it's so cool, and that's delicious. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, one, a, that's one amazing. Day, one day. Mm-hmm. Keep dreaming, buddy. Keep yeah. keep hope alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, who who's your... Like, do you have a favorite chef? Is there a favorite, like, inspiration for you? 
that you that you follow or um yeah I, several I mean I follow so many chefs like in the industry and I'm kind of a little obsessive with it I'm always like you know buying the latest culinary books or daily just seeing what everybody's doing like yeah. I, I have to be um try to keep up with it and like what new trends and things are happening in the, in the industry um I love uh Muguritz has always been one of my favorite restaurants and the chef there uh Louis Andoni Adriz he came from uh, originally being a sous chef at El Wuyi with Ferran Adria and he left there and opened uh Muguritz and they said the same as then the place is labeled techno emotional cuisine and he's really probably one of the most innovative and creative chefs and his whole goal is definitely to like take you on that ride Hmm. Um, I actually flew up to Harvard last year to see him give a lecture about taste and emotion and it walked through their entire tasting menu and talked about how they conceived of every single dish um, and breaking it down of like what they were trying to conceive and it was just fascinating um, but he's always like you know been somebody that I looked up to and <clears throat> dreamed of cooking with and learning from someday hopefully still we'll see but yeah yeah oh, that's amazing mm-hmm. uh, so alright so favorite so that, would that be your favorite restaurant as well like your um it's one of my. I've never, I've never been over there, and had a, the Just chance from to experience. From afar, though, yeah, yeah, from afar, it's definitely one that's always stood out to me, and um, I've constantly always like looked up to, and been inspired from. Mm. Uh, Noma's always been there for a while as well, um, and of course, like LBE and those. Yeah, but what is it about food for you that? You know, you talked about like architecture, it's kind of where you started and kind of went into that. But is there something about food or food creation for you that, like, that's what drew you into it? Um, well, I think it's intensely personal serving somebody food. Um, and I've always, like, like I said, when I came up in restaurants, I've worked in every part, like front of house, back of house. Uh, I've always liked like seeing serving people as well and not you know not just from the, the cooking side getting the whole like experience that you get there um, so I, I think that like naturally really drew me in like I think almost all chefs there's something about like serving people and like connecting with people through the food that you mm. you give them um, it's just Huh. Yeah, I've never thought about that. Yeah? No. I mean, I guess, like, yeah, I don't, I'm like, you know, in a family setting I mean, or whatever, like, it, it's... Most any chef, like, real chef, they're not, they don't work for the, themselves. Like, most chefs, you're not creating food for yourself every day. Like, just be always making, like, hamburgers and <laughs> cheesesteaks and pizza and shit. Uh-huh. Excuse me. No, you can say you can say shit. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> no. No, so, whatever you want. If anybody's gonna, I'll, I'll drop the first one of the, the podcast. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. No, much worse has been said on this podcast in the yeah. past episodes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, then maybe I'm not holding up to my uh, my chef over in that sense. Yeah, listen, I've, you're, you're the most polite chef I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I get that often. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe I just refuse to be, like broken by that part of the system yeah and like be the angry yeah is that is that like an actual I mean just judging by reality shows or mm-hmm. just those kinds of things is that is that a TV we gotta make it dramatic or is that kind of a legitimate thing where like some people some of these chefs are just I think a bit of both because TV always has that drama sure and I feel like if they're gonna show anything they're gonna show that side of it and I think that you know, when restaurants were like first coming up, and especially fine dining ones, they really took on that militarized like mindset of how a kitchen in a restaurant runs. Mm-hmm. You know, with your your tiers of um, chefs and uh, ranks and whatnot. And uh, I don't know. Hmm. Lost my train of thought. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, kind of that military. Like it seems like a lot of chefs I, have. Oh, yeah, so I think I think uh, that like really led to you know a lot of people's perception about like and when you come up in that kind of a kitchen and when you come up in like any kind of um, work environment or whatnot or how you were yeah. raised or whatnot. Naturally, a lot of times you take on those same behaviors. Yeah. So I think for a lot of chefs, if that's the environment that you came up in once you're on top in that position that's how you're naturally just gonna revert back to mm, yeah but I think that also um, it's it's been something that people have become aware of in the last like years and it's definitely been a conversation about like how do how do we want kitchens to function in the future like do we really want to work in this type of environment where there's this dictator who throws hot pans at you when you go two minutes over on a ticket or something Mm -hmm. or do we want to have a more like respectful kind of atmosphere Mm. that's good that's i think that's good that that kind of conversation is happening because it i think it's yeah and i think it's taking that turn Hmm. is there a chef that you've met or that you've been around that you had an idea they were one way and then you were surprised by them either good or bad like you thought man this guy's gonna be or girl it's gonna be terrible and then oh wow they're I'm surprised what they're like personally I mean if it's someone yeah, you don't necessarily have to name a name that's an interesting so question you're just making me think of so many different experiences I mean um yeah, I can think of so many times right off the top of my head that instantly where that happened. I'm trying to like narrow it down to one, but I mean, like, one of the first big kitchens, like when I left Burns and and started to, to go to New York and Chicago, I wanted to try to find the best places to work at. Okay. And I was still kind of jaded, like just those were the only ones I knew of, and I was really seeking out like these elite places. So when I went to Chicago, naturally I first went to stage at Charlie Trotter's to see like, oh, I want to go work here. This is legendary place. Mm-hmm. And I like was just in there working uh, the Garmin J side for one night. And the just, what? Wait, the what? Garmin J. It's like just salads. Like, oh, okay. 
Um, it's usually, you know, your big beginner station. And if you're stashing or anything, like, you're most likely going to get put there. Okay. Uh, and just watched him, like, rip apart every employee back there and literally put his hands on his sous chef and, like, shook him. Oh, and I just couldn't go back. I was like, there's, there's no way I could work in this environment. Like, this is definitely not for me. Um, but I mean, I could think of wow many other scenarios, you know, where that's happened. Um, oh, that's crazy. That's, I mean, it seems like but then the same, it's such a kind of volatile, yeah, in some ways volatile. The same thing. I mean, I went to work at Laverne and Ann, uh, briefly, and like I expected at that that was after that point, and I expected um, like a repair or somebody <laughs> to be that same mindset mm-hmm. and he was a lot more like open and um I don't know respectable or respected respectful his, yeah, yeah respectful of his staff and people there um interesting mm-hmm. hmm. I'm assuming when you have your own you're gonna be the the dictator no Kicking. not at all <laughs> I don't think I could let it happen <laughs> I, 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 I feel like that's never been my management yeah. style, yeah, or my, my personality at all. I've always said, like, the the places that that I would want to model how I do everything after is the couple places that really, like, fueled creativity. They really put so much into the people that work there, trying to build them up. Uh, and that and that's just, like, they're entire philosophy there it was like we need you to be as good as you can possibly be to produce the best food that we can possibly produce and then if and when the time ever comes that you're going to leave us like if you go off to do something extraordinary that only further builds our reputation yeah i just always loved that mindset and been like i want that environment and I'm sure that's something else that like everybody seeks to achieve. Yeah, you know when they open something like that or anything. But sure, it's incredibly hard to grow, but still, I I feel like I find myself that at least that's what I would be searching for. Yeah, and like trying to keep myself in check and maintain that type of environment. Right, because I love like teaching people and uh, you know training employees bring them up through through the system yeah um, yeah well I feel like it's never the easy route to help others be the best versions of themselves mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm just going to do everything I can to be the best mm-hmm. and step on other people or whatever like it's easier just to step on someone else and mm-hmm. make yourself better that's one of the best parts of like a restaurant too I think is it, it is and really should be a team like mm. it, it thrives on that environment and it is most efficient and best functioning when everybody is like working together lifting each other up and yeah. and pushing each other to be as be- good as it possibly can be yeah where do you think that where do you think that comes from for you that that being your philosophy um hmm. yeah I, I think that uh like my you know parents grandparents coming up were always pushing me to like stick with 
things. Um, so I feel like that instilled like a strong sense of determination and and uh, will. Yeah. Um, so I, I I guess from from there. Like, yeah. Family kind of so yeah because I mean like I, I don't I don't really know but I've always I've always like had that I've never been interested in in half-assing anything and like taking a shortcut on something when I was coming up in like art programs I was constantly fighting with my teacher over dates because they wanted me to finish this in like one one month I'm like it's like a pointillism and I want to do this whole like five foot wall or something can we just make it like a <laughs> Five month project or something. Like, no, no, no. no. I'm like, but I wanted to do like, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think I ever want to do like. I don't think I think very minimalist and. Yeah. And how how simply can I can I achieve this goal? Yeah. It's usually pretty extravagant. Yeah, that's probably better though than I always said. Um, like in teaching or leading people, I would much rather lead the person that I have to rein back mm-hmm. than to have to drag them along. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for like, sure. To me, I'd rather have the person that's like, but I want to do this grand thing. Okay, great. But what, like, but we got to work in these parameters. Cause right. like to me, that's much easier to corral, I guess, if you will, or to, then to motivate. Right. Yeah. 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 For sure. Exactly. Like, it, yeah. Like channeling an energy, is much easier than to motivate. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So um, you've recently, I'm just I'm curious about this, you recently worked on a yacht as a chef, right, mm-hmm. uh, for a while. And you made some interesting creations, if I remember right, because you used like, some candy bars and things like that. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Well, I worked on a yacht for the Mars family. Okay. For and for the Daytona 500 for like the whole Mars racing team. So we did several functions like over the course of the 500 of the week, and yeah, I did dessert tables using all of their uh, products in different ways. Um, specifically, like uh, I did roses out of Starburst, which is a oh, perfect yeah, example right. of like a cool idea. Like, oh man, I can make this cool thing, and then spending like nine hours making a hundred roses <laughs> later I'm like why why on earth would I say this <laughs> but they were really cool and went over really well and that's probably why they kept having me come back I feel like every project I do in my organization is in the middle of it why did I why did I go oh, oh, for sure. no I 100% every single time I just did uh, I just came back from a 10 day road trip with the family up to Illinois we pulled in on Wednesday night, and I agreed to do brunch on both Saturday and Sunday this past week at Foundation because I'm shooting for every Saturday there to be doing brunch, mm-hmm. and then Sunday was the Indie Flea, so mm-hmm. I said, just tag it on. I'll just right. I'll do that one as well. Okay. So then we pulled in Wednesday night. I had to go shopping after we pulled in and oh, immediately no. start waking up at 5 a.m. to prep through Thursday, Friday, to be ready for Saturday, which exhausted almost everything that I had, so then I had to quickly turn everything around and remake it all for Sunday. Oh so gosh. I think I literally slept two hours going up to, like, Monday, maybe, or... It was just... Man, how are you sitting here right now? Yeah. 
Oh, I guess I got I got a good break in between then. I got you know four hours. You have of sleep kids with. too, like it. Yeah. You have a like not really newborn, but how old is your youngest now? Uh, one and a half. One and a half. Yeah. Okay, so still it's, probably not. That's probably one of the most thing. challenging aspects of it. Yeah, dealing with all them, finding the time to do that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, consistently not sleeping. <laughs> is that your secret? You just don't sleep. Uh huh. <laughs> I, so, I use the force. Ah, very good. Yes. Because um, here's the thing I think. So you're the perfect, to me, the perfect scenario of all the excuses that people use of why they can't do the thing that they love. Like, I've got a family. I've got kids. I've got all these responsibility. And to me, and I don't have kids, so I haven't lived that life, but just as an outside observer, sometimes to me, not every time, but sometimes to me, it seems... Like a cop-out is just an easy excuse to go, well, I can't because I have a family or I have kids. Yeah, for sure. But there's, but I've seen a lot of people like you and other people I know that they, they found that niche. They've, they've gone, no, I can go after the thing I love. I can chase my dream. And I can also raise a family and take care of them and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, things don't fall apart. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not easy. No, it's crazy right now, yeah. for sure. I think I think taking that initial step for anybody is is um, hard. Like just to, uh, yeah, I don't know. Some people it's as difficult as just getting out of bed, and other people it's trying to start a company or something. I've I've been playing around with this for I don't, I don't even know how long. Like yeah. Five ten, <laughs> going back since I first wanted my own restaurant. Uh, that was even further years ago. But being serious about it, like the last five years, I've been really pushing to try to get my own spot. Yeah, and uh, um, then just started doing this. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, Would you say maybe like that is a f- like that's a factor in that step-by-step thing because I think in our world we're very we're very impatient and we want mm-hmm. we want to be able to just turn turn on the thing and we have our creation or oh yeah um, but like you said you've been thinking about this and dreaming about this for years mm-hmm. and even five years of putting some legitimate work into it you're still working towards that oh yeah <clears throat> yeah very much so like uh, I would say I'm just like getting the the small part of the company right now to a point where like it's kind of sustaining something mm-hmm. I can see like a little crested hill happening yeah. at least for the to, yeah the time period which is nice um, but yeah it certain just certainly hasn't hasn't been easy to do but I think uh, I don't know I'm just passionate about it it's something I've always wanted like uh, I, I think I would find any way to do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, I think to me that's a that's an important that's an important thing that I think to me that's a definition of all right. And that's really the thing that you should be doing. Like if you yeah. could say to yourself, I, I would think find that's one of the way to do this. Yeah, that's kind of maybe the mindset that I've I've like I said where I took that turn and maybe started to think more seriously about it because that is all I've ever wanted is that one restaurant and, and well. I do want that one restaurant, but I, I see myself. I would love to have like you know the Michael Mina like restaurant group, like mm-hmm. Empire would be awesome. 
built around that one restaurant. Sure. But still. And I always thought, you know, like, oh, I have to raise $5 million to get this restaurant I want. So I can't do that. That's ridiculous amounts. But I think it's those smaller goals. And, mm. you know, more recently it was like, I just have to start something. Like, I need mm. to do something. So I can't do that. Like, where, where can I find a starting point in that? That's so good. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's brilliant because I think that's, that's, I feel like, where people get hung up is they see the end result. Yeah. And that's overwhelming because it's the end result. But mm-hmm. that's not the start. The end result's not the starting point. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can seem so uh, just mesmerizing and un- unattainable when you, it, when you have that one huge thing. But if you break down the gaps in between there and focus on the smaller points to get to that goal, mm-hmm. I think it's easier to, to swallow sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I probably don't know the answer to this, and probably everyone listening probably already knows your answer to this. But <laughs> The five people? Um, yeah, the five people listening. Because I'm going to wrap it up here. But, but cool. the last kind of the question I ask to every guest is – do you, do you, around the idea of boldly going, um, uh, do you do you think that everyone has that ability to boldly go and pursue the thing that they love, um, you know, in some form, or or do you think that some people are they're just never these people don't have that ability. These people clearly do. Or do you think that's a possibility for for everyone? I definitely think it's a possibility for everyone. Um, I don't know why it's so much harder for some people to find it, um, but it, that legitimately is you know, uh, a lot harder <laughs> for some people to come up with. I, I don't know what the explanation for that is, but um, <laughs> it's, it's the tough questions, like. Yeah, no, that's okay. Well, that's a good answer. Yeah, you're right. I think some people. Um, yeah, I guess that maybe that is kind of a hang. I think I think everybody has that quality, but it's not always going to be. It's <clears throat> definitely not going to be as easy for other people to to access or get to for whatever that reason might be. Um, but I think you know. Maybe like by themselves, it's it's even harder. Mm-hmm. But if if there's people around to build them build them mm-hmm. up, or mm-hmm. um, I think that can always help, like achieving or motivating. Yeah. Um, somebody. Yeah. Even, I guess maybe even observing, because like in your world, the restaurants that you went to and that you saw, mm-hmm. like being able to observe other people that are doing it. Right. And watching them. Yeah. Um, would you is there any advice you'd give to someone that's trying to get into this industry particularly in food industry I think um one piece of advice hmm don't do it <laughs> I mean it's nothing because I love cooking I love serving people like I said I love what I do uh, just be prepared 
I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, with TV and and um, what you can read, a lot of times out there, it just puts it on this pedestal. And culinary schools will do the same thing because most people, that's the first mindset. It's like, oh, if I want to do this, then I have to go to culinary school, which you don't. Like it's probably more wise to just get in the kitchen and learn mm-hmm. that way and work. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I, think, I mean, that sounds like that's what your advice would be is to to learn and like use the avenues that are there to learn. Yeah, yeah. I think I just think that's a better way than spending a whole bunch of money to do it and then coming out and you're gonna have to start bottom anyways yeah um but it's just not a lot of money in the industry it's crazy long hours it's it's uh it's it's hard on your body you're lifting crazy amounts of things you get burns and cuts Mm -hmm. constantly that usually you know starts to go away as you get further in your career you get a little bit more skilled but yeah it's yeah, just be prepared for all of those things. It's not as glorious yeah. as it seems to be, but I think the payouts, like I said, you get a lot of reward um, serving people, and uh, if that's what you're looking to get out of it, or you know, um, that's how I express myself creativity or creatively or mm-hmm. artistically. Um, so I think there's a lot of reward that you can get out of it. It's yeah, worth, it's worth it. Yeah, be, be prepared. No, that's good advice. Thank you. Be prepared. It's very, yeah. <clears throat> I think a lot of people go into something or whatever industry and they're not prepared for what, like they have an idea. Well, I'm sure that's the case for, in, in many <laughs> industries, but this more than others. I think people just aren't, they don't think that they're going to have to work 18 hour days and stand on their feet all the time and yeah. deal with <clears throat> crazy employees that work in kitchens <clears throat> and. Yeah. Just judging from my TV watching experience of things like kitchen nightmares or whatever, mm-hmm. that is a that is a brilliant statement because yeah. I feel like every one of those scenarios is this guy or girl, this chef thought, well, I can just come in here and I'm going to be a chef and it'll be successful. Yeah. But yeah, I came in at four o'clock and dinner starts at five. I didn't go, I didn't go prep all day and list and. Mm-hmm. Shop and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or then if you're the shit, write schedules and orders. Right. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's great. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. The never ending amount of work that comes with it. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, real quick, just to wrap it up, anything, anything that you want to promote or can't promote? Anything like you're doing brunch? I guess yeah, it's Saturday. I'm doing brunch every Saturday at Foundation. Uh, I plan on doing it nine to one right now. Um, I usually post everything on, on Instagram at pastryface13. Uh, I use that as my advertising right now, and hopefully, I'll be adding like some dinner parties and um, some farm to table kind of pop up things uh, here and there. Yeah. So look out for that, and. I don't know, whatever else I can get into right now. Um, like I said, I'm just starting with this company, and I'm looking to kind of get away from the private chef business uh, on the yachts and the islands that I've been doing. So if I can teach people how to cook, I'm interested in doing that. Okay. Uh, if I can you know, start having uh, my own underground restaurant 
in Tampa. Right. I was looking to do that. So awesome. So Foundation Coffee, just to clarify too, is in Tampa Heights, right there on Franklin. Not in case you look up Foundation Coffee and you end up in Riverview. Yeah. Not but, where Alex. But I do be. supply them with pastries. There okay. as well. So, so you can okay. usually get some banana bread or zucchini bread if you go down there as well. If maybe, you find yourself maybe in that some situation. bug bread at some point. Some what? Maybe some bug bread at some point. Maybe. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. So hopefully. if you go to the wrong, if you not the wrong one, but if you end up in Riverview, <laughs> that's where. There's also pastries there. You just won't be there doing the pop up. <laughs> Correct. <clears throat> awesome. And then also, if you're listening and you're, you know, you're an investor, you're, you're <laughs> uh, you got some money laying around, and you don't know what to do with. Sure. Alex is your guy. I've, I've got some, some great uh, business models for these uh, goals of mine. I love – I do – I seriously do love your restaurant idea. That Nice. Thanks. I yeah. appreciate Which It's legit. The, uh, the Michelin star one? Yeah. Maybe well, too. yeah. That's just – that's – for me, that's the end goal. Right yeah. Now. That's the unachievable thing that's way off in the distance. But I'm closing yeah, – I wouldn't say unachievable. I'm closing the gap. Yeah. yeah. But no, just that, just the idea of like everything, here's the restaurant, everything is so you can look out the window and it's sourced from what you're looking at out there. Mm-hmm. And by the way, oh, you love, you love this dinner plate or these plateware that we have? Yeah, we have this yeah. incredibly talented person. Right. We set up a shop right in front <clears throat> out there. Go check out all their stuff. Yeah. And maybe your butcher and everything else could be there. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I think it's incredible. It's idea. even more money, but <laughs> that you need to, yeah. to fund the thing. Sure. Yeah, but like you said, one step at a time. I think yeah. that's the, that's awesome. I said so, with these food halls and all the things that are happening too, you have all this like collaboration <clears throat> thing. So I think kind of speaks towards that trend a little bit. Like yeah, it it's not impossible. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's more possible than it is impossible. So, uh, final question to you, everyone listening to the to the listeners. Um, you've heard Alex's story. You've heard some great, some brilliant advice from him on just life in general. Um, so final question to you as always is what can you do this week or this month as he said do something what's the step take one step at a time you don't have to accomplish the whole dream at once but what is what is uh, one step or two steps that you can take this week and this month to begin down that road to accomplishing that dream so uh, follow his example because he's doing it so Alex you're the man thanks Thanks for for having me man absolutely Thanks for being a nerd. May, and may the force be with you. Everybody. Yes. <laughs> Got to throw so, that in. Oh, yeah. I'm going to end it that I'm just going to let you end it that way. So thanks for being on. I love your nerdiness. Nice. And leave it with us. Cool. Thanks. May the force be with you. Oh, may the force be with you. There you go. Oh, I'm supposed to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <here's> <laughs> okay. Gotcha. I didn't know, like, how much cutting editing. Like, is that the first one you were going to No, do? no. There's no cutting and editing okay. in this thing. And this is it's all, wrong. like, the outro. People can hear us, like, banter. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, well, unless they've Perfect. probably stopped it by now. But, yes. Oh, but they're going to miss, like, the key little hint after the credits. Yeah. You know, like, the right. preview of the next one. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a year from now when I have, like, the bigger... <laughs> Bigger projects and things. Yeah. Dude, yeah, honestly, thanks for being on. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Boss, everybody's done.